welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. My name is Nate Smith, and I serve on the church council here at the Vine Church, Orange County. Uh, we're so blessed today to be looking in God's Word together with our sister church, Vintage LA. They're currently going through a series in which they investigate how God changes the characters that he encounters in the Old Testament. Preaching today will be Dr. Henry Cloud. Dr. Henry Cloud has a PhD in psychology from Biola University. He's a best-selling author, specifically in the areas of emotions and relationships. We're so lucky to be having him today, and now I'll turn it right over to him. Um, welcome to my fancy COVID studio here. At least have some trees in the background there. Um, so you know, we're in a series, actually, we're talking about Old Testament characters. I want to talk about Lot, because I really identify with Lot, and I think a lot of people can, and here's how. You know, a lot of times we leave these spiritual heroes and giants up there, and we go, or even in our church or our community, and they just look so up on a pedestal. Well, Lot's kind of an idiot in a way. I mean, you know, he's a good guy. He's a righteous guy and all this, but he's kind of like wishy-washy a little bit about, you know, taking the spiritual steps he needs to take. And I think all of us at some point in our lives can probably identify with not being quite as grounded as we want to be and specifically have difficulty taking those next steps. And so let me kind of give a picture of why there's hope for us when we find ourselves in that season of life or that season of our journey or even that season of maturity. And it's a story of Lot. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. We, we really struggle cause, uh, about, you know, putting the whole thing up on the screen because it is kind of a long story. I'm going to sort of summarize it, and I'll give the backstory here, and then we're going to point out a few things. But here's the question I want to ask you before we do that. Have you ever found yourself connected to, and what I mean connected to, in a way that it's interfering with where you want to go, who you want to be, who your vision for yourself is, who your vision for your life is, your spiritual growth or development. Have you ever been connected to a person or a system, dysfunctional system, maybe a family or a relationship or a group of friends or whatever, and you know that system is kind of holding you back? That it's not really aligned with what you hope for either your life or your health or your sobriety or finding the right kind of relationship or a career or your walk with God, which I would put walk with God kind of in all of those. But yet we're still somehow stuck. Well, I want to look at Lot and how he deals with that and more specifically how God deals with Lot because I think there's a message in there about how God makes a way for us. I wrote a book years ago called God, called God Will Make a Way. We're going to see that in the story about Lot. The problem is that God will make a way, but we have to make a way for God to have his way. And what we're going to see in this story of Lot is what I've come to see in walking through many situations with many, many people about leaving something dysfunctional in their lives. There is a known path of obstacles. And I want you to recognize those obstacles when they come to you. And there is a known way of dealing with those. And we all find it here in God's word, as well as based in 
decades of empirical research in the field of psychology, psychiatry, addiction, a bunch of other places. Okay, so what's the story here? Well, you know, way back when, Abraham, you know, God promised all this stuff to Abraham, and he's there with, with, with Lot, and he goes, you know, we got to split up. We got too much stuff here. Which, which land do you want? And Lot picks the best land, and he heads off, and he goes and builds a life. He moves to Santa Monica, right? <laughs> you back there in Boise, and you saw the Rose Bowl, and you go, I'm moving. Okay, so you come to Santa Monica, all right? And where the weather is great and all this. But then what happens is God starts to see in, in, that, in that city, there's a bunch of stuff going on that, that's really, really hurtful to people. Now, it's interesting. We always hear about, you know, the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah and all of this. But, you know, I just never heard anybody quote the verse that actually goes further in explaining what God was upset about. In addition, he said there's a lot of, lot of you know, sins going on there. But have you ever heard the verse in Ezekiel that said this about Sodom, about why God dealt with Sodom like he did? Here's what it says in Ezekiel 16, 49. It says, because the people in Sodom did not help the poor and needy. They were overfed and unconcerned. That was one of the big sins. Well, I want you to think about maybe a relationship you're in, a system that you're in, where people are kind of overfed with life and culture, materialism, all of that, and unconcerned about seeking the light or seeking health or seeking the deeper things of life that make for a truly rich, abundant life. Because we all find ourselves in these groups. And so what happened was God, God looks there and he says, okay, I'm going to destroy the city. But then Abraham prayed, you know, that, well, if there's some righteous people that God, can you hold off and let's get them out and let's spare them for them? He said, okay, fine. So what God does is he sends a couple of angels to Lot. So Lot is there partying it up with all his friends. He's part of the neighborhood, he and his family. And he's just kind of like, you know, sort of like me and my fraternity in college, just kind of part of the whole thing. Now, what we know, though, is Lot was also a believer and he had, you know, a faith and all of this. But the people around him might not be able to tell that. In fact, when he goes and tells them at one point that God's going to come destroy, they laughed at him. And they, and they go, yeah, you're joking, right? Sometimes are we living that way where if we spoke up about our faith or spoke up about one of our values or whatever, it would surprise a group of friends? Maybe, you know, I've been there before. Maybe... Maybe we've kind of blended in a little more, but that's kind of what happened to Lot. So what happens is, as the story goes on, God sends these, these, these two angels to tell Lot, get out of here, we gotta escape, God's gonna you know, blow this place away, get your family and run, all right? So the first thing, and here's what I want you to see because we do this, the first thing Lot does is he instantly goes, oh my gosh, the angels are here, I'm paraphrasing, but he goes, come on in, you know, come hang out with us. I remember when I was in college and I was kind of a, uh, I was, I think, I'm going to have to ask God when I get there, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I was a believer, 
But God wasn't number one in my life. I was pursuing my career in sports and, you know, partying and a bunch of other stuff. But I kind of, I, I, wasn't as, I wasn't as off the cliff as some of my friends, right? By the way, I'm not meaning in this message, I want you to get rid of all your crazy dysfunctional friends. Good night. We got to keep them. They're fun, right? We just don't want to turn into <laughs> one of them, some of that stuff. But I'm floating along in college. And so, so you know what God did? He, he, he actually, um, because I was, was supposed to live in the athletic dorm and in the way the room, he, he, he stuck me right next door to a couple of really serious believers. And I remember we got to talking. I was looking forward forward to having, you know, fun at college. And now I got these two Christians living next door to me. But I remember thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I went to, went to had this group in high school. And I'm kind of like talking to them from my Christian side, right? But I, 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 I always felt like, ah, but I'm instantly, hey, yeah, cool. But that's what the Bible says Lot did. He instantly joined them until it started to get a little tough, until he started to have them make a stand. You know, the Bible tells us that, that sometimes in, in the parable of the soils, for example, it says, Matthew 13, that sometimes people go, oh, yeah, faith, sure, I believe, I believe. But it says, until it gets, until it costs us something, and then we fall away. Well, I didn't really fall away, but in the, when hard to begin to make some hard choices, I would kind of fall away in those moments. And I think a lot of us can identify with that. And that's where Lot was. So what does Lot do next? Right. What's interesting is when Lot joins the angels, okay, at least he recognized that God was speaking to him. That's the first point I want you to see. Are you recognizing that God has sent you some angels? Look around your life right now. There's somebody that invited you to vintage. Are there somebody that sends you a text. Hey, I was praying for you. There's somebody that recommends a book. Why don't you look at this? God finds his ways to speak into our stuckness. Or somebody that might be talking to you about that, if you're single, that dysfunctional friend with benefits that you know you aren't going to go long-term with, but you can't quite get away with or from. God sends angels to us. We'll hear something on the radio. We'll see a posting. He's trying to get through. So Lot hears that message. But as soon as he takes a step towards the light a little bit, and I want you to see this in your life. You take a step, you're going to start going to church. You're going to go to Alpha you're going to do something you've never done. Maybe somebody, maybe you got a substance problem and somebody says, hey, why don't you come to a recovery meeting with me? Or somebody says, you're dealing with saying, why don't you, I got a name of a good therapist. Why don't you go, you take a step towards health. What happens? Immediately. As soon as Lot takes a step towards health, all of these people show up at his door. Hey, who are those two guys? Bring them out here. Bring them out here so we can sleep with them. They wanted to party. This is going to happen in your life. As soon as you take a step towards God in a deeper way, distraction or attack or pressure 
Darkness will show up. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. When you take a stance or a step, I should say, a move towards God, you will get attacked. And it might be in a subtle way to ask you to come, let's have a party. And I'm not against partying, by the way, but I'm talking about destructive stuff here. You know, people are addicted and life's not working, all that. But you're going to get attacked. I remember one time I was doing a radio show and a woman called in and she said, yeah, I'm really, really depressed. And I said, what's wrong? And how long have you been depressed? She said, well, it kind of started, I don't know, it started, you know, a few months ago in the beginning of the year and or the end of the year. And I said, well, anything happened then? She said, no, not really. I just started getting really, really depressed. And I said, well, what'd you do in the last quarter or last year and all this? She said, well, I'd actually started school and I went back to get a degree, advanced degree, because I want to change my career. And I said, how's that going? She said, well, it was going really well. She said, but I, you know, last month I just, I just kind of quit. I, I said, why'd you quit? She said, I don't know. I just was kind of like, well, roll the story back. What had happened was she lived on the, came from the East Coast. She went back in uh, Thanksgiving, over Thanksgiving, I think, and to visit her mother. And I said, well, what happened? She said, it was terrible. She said, I just started school. I was doing all this great stuff. I was really happy. I was pursuing my new career, my dreams. And she just like criticized all. She said, you're too old to go back. What makes you think you can get a job doing that anyway? You need to just. And so she just kind of like really kind of like put me down for trying it and all this. And I said, I said, your mother did this? And, and she goes, yeah, she just kind of threw up on all my dreams. And I said, how how old are you? She said, I'm, I think she said she was 40. I said, is this the same mother you've had your whole life? She said, yeah. I said, I bet this is not the first time she's ever thrown up on your dreams or criticized your dreams. She said, no, she's been doing that. And she starts to talk about how this always happens, right? Well, do you think it's any accident that if she had started taking steps towards getting healthy, she had joined, you know, a spiritual group that was encouraging her. She had gone to therapy to break free from her mother's negative control in her life. It wasn't an accident that darkness came in and tried to attack her. You're going to see this. You're going to see this. Now, what we see in Lot's story is when they came and said, hey, let's come on, come back and let's party. Here's the next thing, and I want you to see this because what he does next totally makes you lose your way. He turns to the guys that want to party with the angels, and he tries to, like, protect the Christianese over here, right? He goes, well, no, not them, and he strikes a compromise. He says, here, take my daughters. Okay, now that's crazy. I understand that, in you know, but... All the cultural stuff aside in the Old Testament. What he does is he gives a part of his heart to a compromise. See, he's trying to keep the dysfunctional people happy. So he compromises by giving something very dear to his heart, his daughters. Okay. How many times when you're trying to take a step and tell somebody, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live that way anymore. You know, I'm... I'm, I'm worried about using too many substances or, 
you know, I'm going to take a step towards faith. I'm going to, I'm going to start to go explore this. And they start to put you down for it or try to get you to come back. We compromise in some way. I remember a woman in a group who was in a, she was single and she had a boyfriend who, you know, it hadn't worked out and he had some issues and he was not good for her. He had a lot of wonderful qualities. He was charming and all this, but he wasn't good for her. And she wanted to have a deeper spiritual life and he would fight that and he wouldn't make a full commitment and, 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 and he had some, you know, anger issues and other stuff. And so she would break up. And then what happened, what would happen was, what would happen would be, <laughs> she would break up and then she'd get really lonely and, you know, she's hurting and then he would reach out and call and lure her back and she would compromise and she'd go back over. She wouldn't fully get back together, but then they'd sleep together and then she's like in it again and then, you know, she'd break, I got to get away and she couldn't get away and she was stuck. Well, she joined our therapy group and what happened was these, these other women in the group started to really hammer her. They were her angels. And they started to say, you know, look, look, guys, <laughs> look, guys, or look, guy, look, woman, look, lady, in this instance. Look, what are you doing? You're too good for this. This isn't the life you want. You go back again. And they're just really hammering her. And so one, one week, you know, she came in and she had broken up. She went back again. They started hammering. You can't do this. And, you know, she'd always go back and get lured in. So one time she comes in and they said, Ann, did you break up with him? Did you tell him to lose your number? Did you say, don't ever call me again? And she said, well, I was at home. I was really lonely. And he called me and, you know, we started talking and I just started to feel all the loving feelings I have for him and everything we had. And, he said, hey, why don't you come over? And she said, okay. And she said, I hung up the phone and she said, I'm changing clothes. And then she turned to one of the women in the group and she said, and then I heard your voice say, what are you doing? And then she turned to another woman in the group and said, and then you said, you're gonna, you know, wreck your life. You said, you're never gonna find anybody good if you don't unplug here. Said, you guys are like screaming at me in my head. God, thank you for angels. Because you know what she said? She turned to him and she said, So I picked up the phone and told him I wasn't coming. But she had been stuck in compromise. And we do this, we placate, you know, our steps across the desert, which God was calling Lot to a whole new world and his family. We don't know what that looks like. It's stepping into an unknown. What's it like not having a relationship with this guy? What's it like not having, you know, not telling your your mother, you know, about your dreams? What's that like, you know, saying, I'm not going to talk to her about my dreams, speaking of the woman on the radio. I said, you know, <laughs> this is the first time she's ever done that. Why don't you find another group to talk about your dreams with instead of taking your dreams to mom? I'm not saying never talk to mom, but certainly don't give your heart in a compromising way because she's going to throw up on it. She had to leave that dysfunctional pattern. I'm not saying never talk to her mom again. I'm saying she had to leave. Trusting her spiritual well-being into somebody's hands is going to put it down. Well, fortunately, Lot had his angels. Fortunately, this woman had her angels. 
But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, whenever you start to do something that's taking a step of health, some of you have had this experience. You've gone to therapy, and your therapist is starting to get you to see some dynamics, maybe from your family of origin or your circles of friends or your boyfriend or girlfriend, or if you're married, your extended family wackos. How that dysfunctional system has too much control. And then you start to have some boundaries or you start to say, well, we really don't want to do that or whatever it is. And what happens? You will get attacked. And that's what happened. See, the groups around Lot, they started to try to break the door down. They try to, to get in. See, the, they, darkness is not going to lose without a fight. This is a war for your soul. And many times we don't recognize that. We don't recognize that, that our lives on the earth, we're on a big chessboard here, people. We're not just playing a game of our own dreams and goals. This chessboard belongs to a big drama larger than the universe where God has created people to be in his family where like Lot, he has promised a land of milk and honey, a land flowing with goodness, an abundant life. And then as we ran away from him, we find ourselves in these dysfunctional systems with people that, as Ezekiel said about Sodom and Gomorrah, they're overfed and unconcerned. People that don't really care, they're unconcerned, not only about pursuing the light, but unconcerned about you pursuing the light until you start to. And I guarantee you, when you take a step towards the light, you are going to find darkness come. It's going to attack. Why are you seeing that therapist? Why are you going to that church? All those, I don't believe in organized religion. I can't believe you're talking about this Jesus thing. I mean, I, I, next thing you're telling me, you believe somebody swallowed by a whale. So all these now, the Bible experts show up, right? I've seen this when people are taking the light towards God. You know, I'm a psychologist, right? I've seen people who literally have a strong biological component to their depression, and they go on, go on medicine appropriately, and they start to get better. And now they're not suicidal anymore, and they can function. And they go back to... Their controlling family doesn't believe in therapy and doesn't believe, or it can even be a Christian. Well, you're, you should be depending on the Lord, not medicine. And they attack what God is doing in their lives. They, they go off, off their medicine because of this attack. And I say that, you know, I'll meet with the family. You know, we, your daughter really needs this medicine. They go, no, don't you know? I don't want to. I go, where'd you go to medical school? And other people attack your faith and they attack Where'd you go to seminary? Let's really, you want to talk about it? Let's go talk to Gare. Because I don't really understand this passage either, but somebody does. But all these experts are going to come in and run your life. Or it may be on the non-expert side. It may be the boyfriend. It may be the girlfriend. It may be the mother-in-law. It may be your own parents. But see, we all find ourselves, when we start to take a stand, the resistance is going to come. And we see that in the story of Lot. I remember I came to a deeper place in faith halfway through college. Now, <laughs> that's a funny deal. 
because when you've lived the first two years, you know, pretty significant party animal, right? Also, got my Christian friends over here. I, kind of, I always kind of didn't want the two of them to, to meet each other, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden, I really got serious with God. And I got back to my fraternity. I remember when I said I wanted to go to this Bible study, um, the guy that called me, I had just gone, I just actually walked to an altar in, in deep depression and said, God, I don't know if you're there, but but save me, help me, help me, heal me. And nothing happened. I thought he didn't hear me or he wasn't there. I go back to my dorm room and the phone rang. It was a fraternity brother of mine saying, hey, we're starting a Bible study in a group at the fraternity house. And I don't know why I thought of you. You're the last person I would have thought of, but I won't invite you. God had sent me an angel. But what's funny was when I went back there and I went into the Bible study, all my other friends were going, really? <laughs> you? Yeah, yeah, me. Are you ready to have some people in your system kind of push back a little bit? They will. You'll see that resistance. It's going to come. But in the story, and this was true in my life, it's been true in 80,000 other lives that I've seen. You know how we make it? Here's how we make it. We make it by the next three steps we see in the story. The big one is, listen to your angels because they're saying, what did he do? They said, come on, Lot, we gotta go. And the angels grabbed, they basically just pulled them out of the darkness. Just pulled them out of the darkness. Say, we're leaving. All right, we're going. Let your angels pull you out of the darkness. If whatever they're inviting you to, to take the next step, whatever your, your, your sober friends, you know, maybe there's a few of you out there. We just know this statistically, but also kind of, I don't know why. I just sense this. There's a few of you out there, and let's call what's going on with you an addiction. Okay? Maybe COVID has gotten you into it. Maybe who, who knows? But if you have a substance problem and you can't really get out of that, there's also a system that that lives in. What we know about addicts, and I say that with all affection, people who are addicted, that part of their getting sober is they have to get with some sober friends and they have to kind of stay away from some people. Not only addicts. Let's just take when life is kind of somewhat normal. Here's a story about me and my wife. We're going out to dinner one night and I'm getting ready and I'm kind of getting, the closer we get to dinner, I'm kind of getting depressed. And she's, you know, she's getting ready and she looks at me and says, what's wrong? I said, about this couple we were going out to dinner with. I said, why are we going out with them? And she said, well, I thought you wanted to. I said, I don't want to. She said, well, I don't either. I said, I thought you wanted to. She said, no, I really don't. I don't want to. I said, but we do it kind of sort of regularly. And we would. Every so often, we'd go to dinner with this couple. We'd go to a nice place. We'd 
kind of catch up and then we go away and then we do it again. I said, I don't, I don't really want to spend time with them. She goes, I don't either. And we go, why? We started thinking about it. Well, there had been a season in our life, probably 15 years prior, where our kids have been doing some activities together, involved in the same leagues and all that, where we got, you know, there was this kind of circle of, of couples and parents where we were kind of, really the path we were on was pursuing stuff with our kids. And it kind of made sense. But after that time, this couple started heading down a whole nother path in life, way different than the path that we were we were on. Now, I'm not making a moral judgment here. I'm just saying we really wanted to go deeper in building community with some families that were pursuing a deeper spiritual life, for one, deeper involvement in, you know, philanthropic things and, and giving, being concerned about the needy and activities and going to events like that and all of that. And this couple was kind of going down a different path. They were into, you know, the next status rung, you know, what neighborhood you're living in or where you vacationed or, you know, who you know and, uh, and a lot of materialism stuff. And which was I'm not judging that, I'm just saying we only have so many nights to go out to dinner and build into significant relationships. Do we really want to spend a handful of them there? Now, I'm not saying, again, that we don't have... I love my crazy, dysfunctional friends. But this particular group, and I had talked to them about spiritual things. It wasn't for a long time. It just... It was time to move on. We've all got this, guys. But we kind of got judged for that in some ways. I remember my fraternity when I started to, you know, <laughs> get more spiritual. People going, what is, what is the deal? You're, you're going to get people thinking that you're weird. It's just part of it. But when it happens, listen to your angels. Your angels care about you. Your angels really care about you. All right, so what happens next in the story? Well, here's what happens next. Lot looks at this path of, let's call it sobriety, or not dating somebody who you know isn't going to take you where you want to go, or you're going to compromise with, or you know, a group of friends that's not going to end up spending the next decade in anywhere that gets you closer to where you want to be. I've seen people go back and try to change their careers and, and, and their friends attack them for that. I mean, it, it just, God has a promised land for you. But certain groups of people are not on the same page going there. And here's what the research shows. The research shows that we become like the people that we surround ourselves with. Now, again, don't get rid of all your dysfunctional friends. I intentionally hang out with lots of people, lots of people, for a lot of reasons. I love them. I have so many friends that aren't, they're not me interested in the spiritual life. But I'm talking about the ones 
that are actually gonna hold you back in some way into a system that's gonna capture you that's gonna go up in smoke. That career path or that sexual, you know, acting out where you're sleeping with one boyfriend or girlfriend after another and 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 they want 100% of your body, but they don't want 100% of your heart or 100% of your life. Well, that's splitting your personality. Whenever we give 100% of ourselves in a part, so you're supposed to be integrated. Or in our career pursuits or whatever God, whatever God has called you, you know, God has a, God has a plan for our lives and some people will hold it back. So here's what happens. Lot, and they say, okay, we're going. Well, Lot looks out there and it'd be like me in college going, the rest of college, two more years, I gotta be spiritual. I don't know if I can be spiritual for two more years. You ever had that feeling? Well, guess what? God understands that. You know what Lot, in his moment of wisdom, says? He says, I don't know if I can make it all the way there. Can you give me a halfway house along the way? <laughs> and the angels go, okay, all right. Can't make the whole trip. How about, as the recovery people say, how about one day at a time? Can you do that? Can you just promise you'll come back to Alpha next week? I love it when Vintage says, you know, if you're a visitor, if you're new, come join us for six weeks. Come join us for six weeks. Don't just come once. You know, the recovery groups have a saying at the end. They, they say, keep coming back, it works. What's the it? The keeping coming back, the staying in the path. The plan works if you work the plan. So Lot realizes this. He needs an incremental growth. Why do therapists or recovery groups or people that are discipling you or your local you know, Bible study that you're in or Alpha, why is there a dosage to that? Because none of us achieves whatever we're trying to achieve, whether it's a career or whatever it is, in one big step. It's always little steps. In fact, God told the children of Israel, when you go to the promised land, I'm not going to give it all to you at once. You got to take it little by little because you got to get strong enough to be able to handle the next thing. So I want you to say yes to the angels to just one more week, one more meeting. I'm going to stay in therapy. If I don't like that therapist, I'm going to find another one. I'm going to stay in this discipleship relationship. Or we're going to get together, even when our schedule makes it difficult, we're going to have our call. You don't have to make it all the way to the finish line. You just got to like that girl in the group. You just got to hang up the phone that one night. And then you got to go to your group and tell them what happened and they're going to support you. And they're going to say what that group said. If this week you get tempted, then call us. Come stay at my house. 
Who do you have? And some of you, here's what I want you to do from today. I want you to go ask God, who can my angels be? I need to take a step of stopping listening to the control and abuse, maybe in my family, or maybe my extended family, or maybe this one friend that has too much power in my life. Or maybe a group of addicts who just wants me to continue down a path with them. So what he does is he follows the angels and they take that step. Didn't try too much too soon. Just take a step. But remember, the steps are with the angels. This isn't a solo path, people. I only made it because of that group. And God surrounded me with some angels. There's people that want to help you in your next step of faith that your life depends on. And it may be going back and taking a course that your mother thinks you're too old to take. Or it may be changing your mind and following a passion that God has put in your heart. It may be breaking up with somebody that you know you don't want them to be the parent of your children. Or maybe another relationship that you know is going to keep you in some way farther away from God and you're too unequally yoked in that in that relationship. Now again, did I say get rid of all your non-believing, dysfunctional, crazy, wacko friends? No, I would not have any friends if I got rid of all those. I love them. What I'm saying is there are certain people, though, that are toxic to you. And darkness has a grip. And that grip is not going to be probably only severe sadomasochistic trauma bonding. Some of it is going to be love. That you really do have affection for those people. I understand that. But some love is toxic. And they don't see it. Now, you... I'm all for turning family systems around or other systems around. But he he went and warned them. He told them. And some people don't want to come. But we got to go. We got to say yes to the angels. So I want to wrap this up here. But I want to kind of reiterate the steps that have been in the story. Because here's kind of all of this summed up. Number one, recognize the angels of light. Abraham had prayed these angels in. Somebody, a grandmother, a friend you don't even know. If you're thinking about God, somebody has prayed you in. But here's the thing. Recognize this, people. The Bible says, Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father first draw them. If we wake up and we're thinking, I wonder who God is, or I wonder, wonder if there's a spiritual step for me. We're only having that thought because God is looking for us. The Bible says we are basically wanderers, not looking for God at all until he taps on our hearts and we'll have a thought. Or hear something on a podcast or a book or wherever. If you have that thought, God is looking for you. Recognize the angels that he's sending to you. However quietly 
or loudly they may show up. And by the way, just because somebody shows up in your life talking about God doesn't make them an angel. There are some wacko, wacko Christians out there. I promise you. If a, if a crazy person, I say that with all due affection. I don't mean it in the mental illness sense, but you know what I mean. An idiot. Get saved. Well, the next day, you know what they are? They're a saved idiot. So don't expect them, all Christians, to be mature and understand everything. All Christians are not good for you in the phase of life where you are. But there are angels that are good for you. And let your spirit recognize them. If they want the best for you and they're not controlling you and they're not shaming you and they're not guilting you and they're not looking down at you, but they are having the spirit of Jesus, which is to seek and to save that which was lost. They're looking to help you have a better life. That's an angel in an area of life. So recognize the angels of light and join them. But when you join them, so what have we said? Recognize the voice of God and the angels of light. And when they show up, join them. And then get ready for the attack that's going to come. The dysfunctional system is going to come and try to keep you there. Unconcerned and overfed about spiritual lives. Overfed with the crap of the culture, but unconcerned about where is it all going. And then heed the warning is the next step. Take the hand of the angel and let him pull you to the next meeting, the next coffee with a friend, the next alpha, the next Bible study, the next week at church. And join the people that are going towards the light. Find that safe haven. You don't have to go all the way at once. It's one day at a time, one meeting at a time, one church service at a time, one Bible study at a time. And leave whatever that dynamic is that you have to leave. And then the last thing is this. Don't look back. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. What happened? They were warned, don't look back. See, every time that girlfriend looked back, at the, oh, I miss him. Oh, he's calling. I'm thinking about all the good. Bam, she got pulled back into it. Don't look back. Lot's wife looked back. She turned to Saul. She's still out there in the desert somewhere. Okay? I don't think anything we've talked about this morning is probably unfamiliar to any of us, if we're honest. There are all ways that we know we want more with God. We want more in life. And we know that there's always this one or two area that's kind of got its grips on us. And it's the, the next step is to let go of that, whatever that is. It might be the lust of the eyes. Maybe we're too caught up in stuff and tied up with people that are caught up in stuff. Maybe it's the lust of the flesh. Somebody's got some sort of a, a you know, sexual addiction or sensual addiction or substance addiction, some way in which we are addicted is holding us back. Or the boastful pride of life. We're, we're looking for, you know, achievement and position and status or whatever that is. It's crap. And it's only going to ruin our souls. I think we can all identify with getting entangled, as Hebrews says, the sin that so easily besets us. 
but we know the way out. The way out is to recognize God's hand in your life when it shows up and join it. Resist the attacks. Figure out the next small step that you can take. Take that step, and after you take that step, take the next step. And I'll close with this. Here's what I've learned about this path. Proverbs says that a person's heart comes up with their path. A man's, woman's heart determines our path, which way we'd like to go in life, what we want. And then it says God directs our steps. Get deep in your heart. What kind of relationship do you want? If you're single, is what you're caught up in, how does that play in the future? Does it fit the future? Maybe, maybe not. If what you want in your life career-wise is the way we're spending our activities and times and energies, maybe it's time to give up some of that way we're spending energy and enroll in some class that would take you to the next step. Or maybe you're trying to get healthy in the way and you need to surround yourself with a community that's headed in the same direction. But whatever that step is, recognize that God is the author of that. And it says, our heart, the way he works is those dreams of the promised land that you want in your life. And then he directs our steps. God will make a way, but we have to make a way for his way to have its way. When the angels show up and the steps appear, let's say yes to them. And then all of us, I don't know if I can say this, I'll let the tech team uh, delete it. But like I, I hope I'm better now, but back then, all of us half-assed Christians, I can say that, right? Sort of like lot, one foot in, one foot out, or in some area of our life, we're not both feet in yet. God will make a way for us to take the next step, to get fully into the life that he wants for us, okay? Let's take the next step together. And at this point, I will say goodbye and see you next time. Bye.